Hey, it's Tim here. Thanks so much for coming over to check out my new podcast, The Big Mouth. Before we get into today's episode, got a big favor to ask you. It's going to mean the world to me if you leave a star rating, you comment on the episode or share it with your friends. It'll help me out and help get The Big Mouth out there. Hope you enjoy today's episode. It's time to go, Tim. Yep, they finally got me. I've been evicted from the Big Brother game. It took them long enough, and what a wild ride it has been. Today, I want to chat about all my time in the game, my highlights, my lowlights, and some of the stuff you didn't see as I go back to reality. If you feel like a misfit in a world full of pretenders, then I want to be your friend. Join me each week on the journey of not giving a fuck. So stop trying to fit in and stand out. You don't need to be perfect, you just need to get real. This is The Big Mouth with Tim Dormer. Subscribe now for free to make sure you don't miss out on an episode. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. What a game. What a TV show. First up, I just want to say a big, huge thank you to everyone that's been along the ride with me on this, whether it was back in 2013 to tuning back in now. Gosh, it's been the most magical thing to receive all the support and encouragement from you all, new and old fans. It's just crazy that people are coming up to me and saying, I watched you when I was 11. I feel like we've really grown up together. Okay, that's a lie. I've definitely not grown up. Never. You don't have to. It's a lie. (laughs) From the very start of this opportunity, it was all about the fans for me. When the producers called me up, they said, hey, we want to do something for the fans. And that's what convinced me because I am a fan myself. Like I started watching back when Big Brother began and... I never thought I'd ever go on the show myself, but I I loved it. It was my favourite show. So when the opportunity did come to play the game, I went in there knowing what made good Big Brother. And I think that's always been my motivation. And coming back this time again, yes, I had my eyes on another crown, but really my main purpose of going back was just to have some fun making TV. And that's that's what I hope I achieved. I'm really proud. I enjoyed watching. And yeah, you can't win them all, but I feel like a winner anyway. I mean, the fact that I lasted 56 days without being nominated. I thought literally that I would be gone within the first few weeks of going back. I actually thought, okay, they do save people in this new format. Big Brother's going to save me if I go out early. I didn't even need that. Like, I I actually worked my butt off to get as far as I did. And I'm, I'm really proud of that. So let's talk about my strategy because everyone knows I'm the strategy king. Whether you call me the master manipulator, puppet master, whatever it is, blah, blah, blah. I knew I had to have a really good game because let's face it, I don't think there's anybody that would have had a bigger target on their back. Being a part of a season where it's old versus new, 
uh, previous winner. I mean, everybody knows how hard I play the game. I don't do it secretly. I'm not able to fly under the radar. <laughs> Can you imagine? So my strategy was I knew I had to build relationships with the other big targets in the game, the other big threats. You might have heard of the no-shoot strategy. So that was me saying, I'm not going to fire at you until you take the first shot at me, and then it's game on. And I guess that's a bit of fear tactics. It's almost like um, daring someone to make the first move against Tim. And yeah, it's a bit of a bluff, but it worked for a large part of the game. I think they were too afraid to take the first shot. But my strategy was never to take out the big strong players anyway, because they actually are shields for my game. As long as they're still in the game, all the other low level players have got their eyes on them. I remember someone in Big Brother Canada explained it to me as a totem pole of threats. So the higher you are on the totem pole, the higher a threat you are to everyone beneath you. So as long as I wasn't the only one at the top of the totem pole, there was other threats in the house that I could keep everybody else's attention on and keep the heat off me. A large part of my strategy was a game of distraction. So to keep the two sides, the OGs and the newbies, firing at each other, cutting the fat, cutting the dead wood, but making sure that they're not actually firing towards me. So it just meant lots of conversations with everyone. I was across a lot of information. People say, oh, trust is the currency of this game. That's what a heart player says. An, an actual smart head strategic player knows that information is the key, is the currency of the game. And a lot of it is using your intuition. And I think one of my strengths is that I can read people really well. I'm not very good at reading myself. That's something that I think makes me quite entertaining to watch at times because I make some really dumb decisions for myself. But I'm able to read other people pretty well and understand their motivations and how to influence them. I guess <laughs> one of the funniest lines I thought was when Tully was saying that I'm a manipulator and I said, it's an influencer, Tully. This word manipulator, it is very triggering for me. In a game point of view, it's everything's fair game. I, it, this is something that I just did not understand watching the show back and receiving some of the feedback was how offended some people were at my game moves. And some players would say, Tim's only here for himself. He's, he's making moves to better his own game. I don't, I, like, is that stupid? Is that the dumbest thing anyone could ever say? Like, obviously, we're all there to try and win. And I guess this was one of the biggest challenges in the game and watching the show for me has been this idea of the team OG. And whether it's a team sport, we should have had each other's backs to the end. I think what I'm most proud of in this game is that I was really adaptable. Like I, I was playing a solo game within a team game. I ducked and dived. I knew how to use the relationships I had around me, but I also knew when to sort of build relationships beyond that. And when it was time to make some big hard choices, and one of the biggest decisions in my game was when I realized I had to jump off the sinking OG ship. People are accusing me of causing it to sink. Like I drove it like the Titanic into the iceberg and then jumped off first. <laughs> that is probably something Tim would do. But think about it strategically. I knew going back in that the other returning players would be my biggest threats to win the game. 
you had names like Reggie, Farmer Dave, Trevor, who had never been nominated when he won his million dollars, and Estelle, who I think maybe was coming back with vengeance because she was kind of robbed. A lot of fans thought she should have won her season. And then you had Drew and Tully, who had played the game with me before. Obviously, out of everyone, they were not wanting me to beat them again. I think first on the priority list was beating each other. But how cool that I got to play again with Drew. Oh my gosh, that was one of the coolest surprises in the game. When I was put down into the sewer and I looked over and saw him, he was someone that I never thought would have agreed to go back into the Big Brother house and immediately I knew my game had changed. I had my mate and I copped a lot of criticism from people like Estelle and some of the audience for for working with Drew and, and I did. I saved him a couple of times in the game where I could have taken the shot to take him out. For some people that didn't make sense, but I think if you knew what Drew meant to me back in 2013 in that season, I don't think I would have won had I not had the support of a friend like Drew back then. And there was something unspoken with Drew that that we would have each other's backs in this game. He probably would have loved to have voted me out and, and that would have been well played. But that was really special for me that that he was back. Tully, oh, oh gosh, did you get that, Tully? How many times did I say that? Okay, I'm very proud of some of the nods that I gave to the old game. I'm in the pool, guys. Oh, Ben, Ben from Brisbane. I need to get him on this podcast. Yes. I'm trying to convince him to go on another holiday together. But yes, Tully, oh, People always ask, do we actually hate each other? I don't think we do. (laughs) That wasn't very certain, was it? No, I, I love her. I love her like family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, what's funny is that people were saying, what is it with you and Drew's girlfriends? First Tully, then Sam. And the weirdest and kind of... I don't like it. I don't like it. Some people were saying, are you in love with Drew? Ah, you're just jealous. Like, it's a bit hurtful that that any gay guy that has a friendship with a straight guy must be in love with him. No, I honestly can tell you, I have never, ever had feelings for Drew like that. And, And I believe that you can be mates as a gay guy with a straight guy. I love it. Why did I hate his girlfriends? Because they were bad for his game. If you saw, Drew had a totally different gameplay as soon as Sam was outside the house. What's funny is that me and Sam are now really good mates outside the house. I'm telling you, these big brother relationships you could not keep up with. They're so twisted and incestuous. The real show, the real goss happens behind the scenes, but no one's going to tell you about it. We're all part of this WhatsApp group chat. Oh... The game never ends, I'm telling you. Some of the arguments on that chat, I'm so surprised it has not been leaked yet. Anyway, back to my strategy. I knew out of all the returning players, all the OGs, that I was the biggest target. And they were probably gunning for me, even though they weren't going to say it. But I also knew that I could be an asset to their game. Because... I had actually played this version of the game before, Big Brother Canada in 2016. And I I got all the way to the finale. I came third. It's the same format where the housemates vote for who is evicted each week. And so all these other returning players had a real kind of culture shock, game shock. They were not prepared that this wasn't the same version of the game they'd played 
in the heyday where it was just a popularity contest. Like basically you either were pretty funny or you won the audience's heart over and you won the money. This one required real gameplay and a lot of them struggled. A lot of them I don't think knew what they were getting themselves into. And so at the start of the game, you saw me kind of acting as a bit of a leader of the OGs and I was doing a lot of work. There was some really amazing plays where I managed to influence the voting so newbies were put up for eviction instead of OGs or I was able to sway and pull some of the votes in the house to make it a pretty nail-biter result. And that was all part of my strategy out the gates to make the OGs think that I knew what I was doing and that I'd look after them. And that worked pretty well for a while, but I also knew that eventually the newbies would know that I was playing them and eventually the OGs would work out that I was playing my own game and using them to go forward. And that happened. There was a time in the house where the OGs started questioning my moves and and saying that they didn't want to play my game. And it was actually quite funny. <laughs> Too late now, guys. But I thought it was a bit rich because the OG strategy was just let's stick together. It, it wasn't a strategy. Like in a game where you are losing numbers each week, the idea that we can just keep our numbers and all last till the end is an illusion. There's one winner. And I knew the moment that I got nominated the OGs would have each other's backs over mine, that I was just too big of a target, that they would be protecting the players that they thought that they could trust more. I feel like it was a bit arrogant to say that we've got the numbers and if we just stick together, we'll all win and, and hypocritical to sort of say that head players weren't as deserving to get to the end as a heart player. One of the smartest moves I think I made was that initial handshake deal with Johnson. So at that point, Johnson and Joel were kind of the leaders of the newbies. And I knew I had to go straight to the top and say, hey, let's not take each other out for the next few rounds. Meet you at the end of the game. And I received a lot of criticism for doing that. But if I hadn't have done that, I would have been nominated and evicted a lot earlier on in the game. And Estelle never really understood how I could make a deal outside of the OG alliance. That deal didn't mean that I'm going to turn on the OGs. It just was a self-preservation deal. And anybody could have made a deal like that. Dave actually had one with Taras that they weren't going to shoot at each other. And that was quite frustrating because I actually wanted to make moves against Taras a lot earlier in the game. Estelle and Dave didn't want to. I think from a game point of view, the OGs individual strategies were not too crash hot. I mean... You look at Dave, he just voted whichever way he wanted to. And when it came down to him on the chopping block, he actually tried to vote to self-evict. That's not a winner's strategy. Um, Reggie, whenever she got involved with strategy, she was messing it up for that first part of the game. And Estelle's strategy just seemed to be to critique all the head players' strategies and to sort of play this card that I'm this trusting, loyal, heart player, which I thought was actually a weakness because Estelle was so emotional. It, it, if you remember back to that punishment in the cage, the blow up with Sam, that was when I realised, oh gosh, like Estelle couldn't separate game conversation from real life and it just meant that her judgment would be clouded and that happened that she was very trusting of players like Taras throughout the middle part of the game where I really wanted to make moves against Taras but Estelle wasn't ready to do that 
And I guess you saw there was just so much tension with Mina still in the game because she was a heart player and I was a head player. And it was really sad because we were friends going into the game. Gosh, like a bit of background on Mina Stell. I actually voted for Estelle to win back in the day. I was on hold to go into her series as an intruder. So I'm watching it thinking, I cannot wait to go in there and team up with Estelle and take down Ben Norris. <laughs> it didn't happen. They said, no, sorry, we're putting a girl intruder in instead. Top of mind for next year. And it was probably the best thing for me because I don't think I would have won had I gone in as an intruder. But Estelle and I met each other eventually after I'd won and we formed a really close friendship. I think the first night we met, we ended up stripping down nude and jumping into the ocean. (laughs) We were both such weirdos. I think we recognised in each other um, that we were misfits. We would call each other up regularly. We'd see each other. It was a really beautiful friendship. I think we got each other on a whole other level. I think <laughs> we thought that we were both rainbow children. I don't know if, you, if you've heard of the term rainbow child, but it, the weirdos, the misfits, who are a little bit maybe spiritually gifted. And she had her intuition. I've got my whatever it is, magic, whatever you want to call it. I think she's a witch. I think <laughs> I'm a wizard. But I mean, as friendships go, we kind of fell out of touch and and we hadn't spoken for a few years, but it was about a month before this show started, I got a call from Estelle on my phone and I thought, oh, well, they've asked her to do it. And I immediately was nervous because I knew she would want to play together. And something in me just thought, "Uh oh, this is trouble. And trouble it was. It was really hard playing that game with Estelle. And she would she would agree as well the other way around. And what's awful is that a really good friendship might have been ruined by that game. I don't know where Estelle and I's relationship lies anymore. I don't know if playing that game together cost us our friendship. And that's not worth it. I have to talk about the elephant in the room. That's that awful Twitter feud. And what I said was not right. I I need to apologize to Estelle, to, to anyone who I offended. That was me. That was my big mouth. Speaking out of hurt, I was really sad at some of the things that Estelle was saying about me and that I thought she knew me better, that I'm not nasty, I'm not a bully, I wasn't verbally abusive. We just are such different people and the game clouded what we had together, that that she was such a heart player, I'm such a head player. And we were kind of the leaders of the OG strategy. And we had such different strategies. And I think watching the show as it went to air and reading some of Estelle's comments, I feel like she was trying to back up her gameplay, but at times it made me feel like it was an attack on me. I feel like she was really offended by my game moves and criticised my character, which which hurt. It hurt. But I guess 
when I turn around and say it's just a game, for her it was not just a game. And, and it shouldn't be just a game, I guess. If I'm honest, it isn't just a game. And I don't want that game to have cost me a friend. And so I've reached out to Estelle apologising for my tweet and... I'd actually love to chat before the game is over, before finale. I hope she calls up and I hope we can put our differences aside and actually focus on what we had in common again and and actually congratulate each other for a good game. We played such different games, but we got so far and I think it goes without saying that we both adore Reggie and if it meant that we both had to kind of be taken out at the end for Reggie to get to the finale. Job well done. We did it, Estelle. Um, I really look forward to chatting with you. Anyway. I hate that I'm crying because I'm the tough guy. (laughs) Anyway, do I have any regrets? Tim's never lived with... (laughs) regrets. I guess I made mistakes. I can own up that I maybe put too much trust in Johnson. But of course, at the end of the day, he was going to not want to be sitting next to me in finale. Not a single one of those players would want me sitting next to them in the finale. So I would have had to have won my way there. That final challenge, I came so bloody close. And I would have evicted Taras and I probably would have had more chance of winning challenges to get to the finale. I knew that. I knew that there would come a point in the game where I would have to win challenges to get to the finish line. I mean, it did come down to Johnson, Brenton and Alicia's votes. And maybe I didn't put enough energy into the Brenton alliance that... I voted against him to try and save Gabby, which I know caused a lot of mistrust, but that was showing loyalty to Gabby. I I actually did really love Gabby and I don't regret that move. I think I got as far as I could and I'm so proud. You can't win them all. And it's kind of funny. I think the first time I played the game, I was not prepared to lose. It, It was... There was a moment where I remember Big Brother called me in to the diary room and said, are you going to be okay when this is all over? Like, I think they knew how much I loved being in there and I'd created this entire world around me that was about to, to be over. And I don't know how I would have coped not winning that season. And then Big Brother Canada, if you watch it, I actually kind of forfeit at the finish line. I had a huge personal revelation that I didn't want to win that one. I wanted to come home and get real by coming out to the world. And getting real with myself was winning. That that was a, a life moment that I will never regret. Like, my life changed. I'm so proud of myself for that choice that I made in my life. And then it led me away from doing television for a little while through some really tough times. And if you want to check out the other episodes of The Big Mouth, I I chat about that. And then the opportunity to go back and play again with this series, it just felt right. And there wasn't the pressure 
to win at all costs. I just wanted to make a great season of Big Brother because I love entertaining and I love sharing my life again now with the audience. And that's made me feel like a winner. And I'm so excited that I'm back. I'm not going anywhere, you guys. Like we're going to do this podcast each week and I would love to do more television. I'm so open to doing any opportunity that comes. Big Brother UK is back next year. Big Brother Canada will one day have an all-stars season and there's no question I'd do it again. If one of my biggest dreams would be to one day host Big Brother, how cool would that be? Like, I I think Sonny does an amazing job and if Big Brother is back next year, I'm going to be knocking on his door to get involved. Who knows? There could be some other opportunities. Like Channel 7 has SAS. I just, like, can you imagine me, like, is it, with my attitude being made to do push-ups working as a team I just I don't think that's probably a good idea and dancing with the stars is another one that I cannot dance <laughs> but who knows it's very exciting times and yeah yeah I went back to play a game but I also fell back in love with sharing Tim with the world and I really am so grateful that you guys have embraced me back. Warts and all, I'm not perfect and I made a lot of mistakes, but I'm someone that owns that. And I really want to say thank you. Thank you for letting me be real in front of you guys and thank you for keeping it real with me. This is The Big Mouth with Tim Dormer. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out on an episode and leave a comment. Give me a star rating. It all helps get the Big Mouth out there. You can follow me on socials at Tim Dormer. So next week on the Big Mouth, I want to wrap up the Big Brother experience by answering your questions. Have I missed anything in today's episode? What are you dying to find out? Ask me anything on socials at Tim Dormer, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, hashtag the Big Mouth, and I'll try to get through as many as I can. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.